Hello folks, welcome to Switch It, where we've always been suspicious of reverse scoops. England were railroaded by India in Rajkot to go 2-1 down in the series, but have the wheels fallen off the baseball bandwagon too? With only a few days turnaround before the fourth test, Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum will have to get pumping those tyres. A 434-run defeat would ordinarily be cause for introspection, though that's not really the style of this England team. While they move on without regrets or recriminations, it falls to us humble podcasters to sift through the wreckage. Joining me in the studio for that purpose today are ESPN Crick Info UK editor Andrew Miller and assistant editor Matt Waller. And while our focus is on the men, we will also have a cheeky preview of our new women's cricket podcast for you. ESPN Crick Info Powerplay launches on Wednesday of this week, ahead of the 2024 WPL. The first episode features an exclusive interview with Nat Siverbrunt. Here are Valkyrie Baines and Fidoz Munda to tell you more. Hello everyone, I'm Valkyrie Baines. And I'm Fidoz Munda. Welcome to ESPN Cricket Vote Powerplay. The podcast that brings you women's cricket uncut. In this podcast, we plan to explore and challenge some of the power dynamics within the sport and discuss issues of particular relevance to the women's game. But most importantly, we'll be bringing you fascinating conversations with some of the biggest names in women's cricket. A year ago, you had just sold at the auction as the joint highest bid price for an overseas player. I mean, first of all, the wording of being sold at auction is still a bit baffling. (laughs) I hope this isn't an insensitive question, but I guess it's one that everyone's having to face when they do face that choice between club or country. Did you have to yourself weigh up the financial implications of missing one or the other? Yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I said no. Yeah, having obviously gone for that much in the first year, um, yeah, it certainly came into consideration. Hopefully this... This way up of, of club versus country um, doesn't happen again. Please look out for us and listen wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Right, back to the tests. First off, let's get hold of Vitushan Ihantaraja on the blower. How's it going, Vish? Did you find somewhere nice to celebrate your birthday in the dry state of Gujarat? I did, I did. What well, um, there was. Uh... What I lacked for alcohol, I made up for in carbs and then a lot of ice cream. So I basically I regressed it. I had a bit of a, a kid's uh, kid's birthday. Um, and yeah, what what better way to celebrate turning 38? <laughs> well, indeed. And uh, the, the excitement was um, palpable, I'm sure, as, uh, as England's uh, test match chances went up in flames uh, and you were bouncing around full of Smarties in the press box. Um, there's been a lot of hand-wringing about Basball uh, in the wake of, of the 434-run uh, hammering that India dished out uh, in this game. Um, so uh, let's get straight to the crux of it. Was this a failure of tactics, uh, in, in your view, or a failure of execution? Is the whole philosophy at stake here? I think that's a really good way of putting it, and you've actually given me quite a clean out there because I think it was a failure of execution more than anything else. A failure of maintaining execution, let's put it that way, because for the first half of that first innings, in terms of the first half of the runs that they picked off India's mammoth first innings, um, they were excellent. Specifically, Ben Duckett was excellent. And it felt like he got into a groove where he just needed people to, you know, bounce around him, bounce off him even. And as we've seen over the last few years, you know, 
whether it's in test cricket or ODI cricket. Joe Root is one of the best people, um, you know, just operating in someone else's shadow and then suddenly, you know, taking the limelight. Um, so I think it was more, um, yeah, more down to poor execution, really. Poor, poor, con- yeah, just carrying out that execution right the way through. Um, the similarities between this and Laws 2023 20, against Australia makes it all the more worse because, A, it's about, it felt, you know, it's almost identical situation, really, barring conditions, given that Ravichandran Ashwin doesn't come back. Well, he isn't around for that um, that third day. And then bear in mind that um, Nathan Lyon was injured when England had that first innings collapse. And it really was a sense that we've been here before. Um, and that makes it a little worse. And also the fact that they were looking in good shakes and by all accounts, you know, they, they didn't quite have a win in their grasp, but they're, you know, damn, you know, they're damn sure on their way to putting India in a, in a compromising position, given how, um, how dominant they'd looked when they batted first. Yeah. Stokes was, was quite clear. Um, speaking afterwards about, you know, that they felt that going hard on that third day and, and, and putting as much pressure on India and getting back in, um, getting them back into bat when the pitch is starting to, to perhaps deteriorate was the best way forward. Um, there seemed to be a maybe a, just a, a hint of tetchiness at, at some of the questioning post-match. I think the word reckless might have been used um, by uh, at one stage. Do you think there'll be any private analysis? Um, you know, clearly McCullum and Stokes uh, just exude sort of positivity and, and, and present that um, to the media. But, but will they... Um, you know, in the in the confines of the dressing room, reflect on say <laughs> Roots um, dismissal, reverse ramping, um, uh, and then the way they lost. Um, I think it was eight for ninety five, as being uh, decisive and and reason not to change course, but to just um, at times temper the approach. And, and people will look back to, I suppose, that um, that Manchester Test against South Africa in the first summer of of Baz when when Stokes and folks, uh, Ben Stokes and Ben folks scored hundreds in a, in a sort of atypical manner, uh, sort of a three and over partnership, which, which killed off um, that game. And, and, you know, that, that approach might have suited better this situation. Uh, I mean, do you sense that there'll, there'll be any admission of that internally? Um, I don't think there'll be an admission of it internally. Um, I thought what was interesting is that, Ben Stokes got the team together pretty much as soon as they walked off the field um, following that defeat and basically said to them that essentially they, they've got to double down a bit now, I suppose, um, that, you know, that it's going to sting, um, but they need to brush it off and and go again, essentially. And they did go again after Lords, to be fair. Um, you know, they won at Headingley in a, in a bit of a tight one. They did brilliantly at Old Trafford. Then they, you know, obviously they couldn't get get the win there, but then they backed it up at the Oval and were laughing, really, um, aside from the fact that Australia took home the urn. So I think there's been a lot of talk of, while, while not so much talk of why we made the same mistake at Law, state as we did at Lords, there's been, you know, maybe a bit of referring to how they finished against Australia and how that can hold them in good stead. And, you know, Stokes said everything that he pretty much said when they were 2-0 down at Lords, that they can win 3-2. Um, so nothing's really changed there. I think there'll be a lot of individual um, 
thinking being done, um, whether or not there are conversations. They, you know, I suppose it depends on on those individuals. I thought it was really interesting that McCullum's McCullum, when talking about Johnny Besto, said that you know they'll get around him this week. They'll remind him how good he is. It's essentially essentially trying to create exactly the same conditions that got that incredible Johnny Besto that we all saw in that 2022 summer. Who, bear in mind, started a bit slowly in those first two tests before, um, well, your first few innings before you were really, you know, doing a number on New Zealand at Trent Bridge and and going on one hell of a purple patch. With Root, it's quite interesting. It seems a bit different. He's obviously struggling at the moment, but Ben Stokes yesterday said that, well, you know, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything to him because he's Joe Root for God's sakes. And that was pretty much Ben McCullum's reaction when I asked him today about. Um, what do you do with the Joe Root? He just explained about putting his arm around Johnny Bester. I said to him, well, you know, what do you need to do with the Joe Root? And essentially he was like, well, you don't need to do anything. It's Joe Root, which is fair enough. Um, I think what's interesting actually is the vibe of the team has been such that they, I, you know, I do think they're, they're a better place to um, wash off this kind of defeat. You know, this is usually one of those defeats in India, the um, and a big defeat in India. Obviously, this is, you know, one of a kind in many regards. The, the scale of this defeat, but it's a kind of defeat in India where you can almost write off the tour, couldn't you? In previous um, iterations of the England team, you can't do that now. You shouldn't do that now. But at the same time, there are only four days between now and that fourth test in Ranchi. There are not so much question questions to be answered because. I think England think that England already know the answers. They're not going to drop Johnny Besto, and they're damn sure not going to drop Joe Root. But I suppose then it falls back on the individuals again because it's about how they use these next few days. I think Joe Root will remain an interesting one because of the nature of that ramp shot. I, I'm a massive fan of it. Um, not that you could tell by my face when he played it against Boomer, um, certainly because of the end product. But it was... <laughs> You know, the intention of it was right, but then the intention spoke of a bit of pressure coming into that innings that Brummer had got him a few times and that he felt trapped on the crease and that he wanted to put him off his line. And, you know, he did do it against Cummins, but he was flying against Cummins at certain points when he did it. Um, and he's using it as a way to almost dig himself out of a hole against Boomer. Now, he looked pretty solid before playing it. Um, and I wonder how much strength he can take from you know that mini period of, of being comfortable and getting out in an avoidable way rather than being trapped on the crease either lbw or nicking behind um but again that that's all beholden on the individual because as a collective i don't think the messaging's changed at all and if anything they are gonna <laughs> as i said at the start and as they'll continue to say i, I think they're just gonna go harder in ranchu Go harder or go home. Uh, that is the way. I mean, the, clearly, the, there's no doubting the men, the mentality, the confidence. Um, you touched on the Ashes, uh, two 0 down, and uh, but for the raid in Manchester, uh, it could have been you know three uh, two and, and a, a comeback sort of almost unprecedented. Um, it the scale really here to to win in India from albeit though one 0 up now two one down two tests to play. They clearly believe they can, Stokes, McCullum, but do you think they've got the tools to actually do it? Um, you know, runs, 
uh, you know, runs on the board and, and taking 20 wickets. Um, it seems increasingly that the way India have gone with sort of pitch preparation is that these are good surfaces. Um, uh, they're not going to be uh, dogfights on, on, on turning wickets. Um, you know, have England, whether that's involving some changes of personnel, have they got uh, got it in their locker to win these next two tests, whether, whether you know, the management believe it or otherwise? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's an important point to, to bring up, actually. The pitches have been brilliant, really. They've kind of had something in it for everyone. Um, and that's that's all you can ask for. And, you know, they um, they wear at the end and turn and, you know, whoever's on top benefits from that. Um, I suppose the thing you could do with winning a toss, you know, Ben Stokes has won a lot of tosses in his, in his career, but he's lost the last two and it's, you know, it's not been ideal. Um, I suppose the... In in terms of do they have the wares to to win the next two? They certainly have the batting, and with the batting comes the runs, and with those inexperienced spinners, you need runs. So it's kind of you know one hand leading the other here because I think we know we knew what we were coming into, or what rather the players that were coming into this series and their inexperience. But you know, I, I've been quietly impressed with with Tom Hartley. Um, you know, very impressed with his batting, but also just the way he plugs away. I think that's also quite important as well. I think we talked about it on the other, the previous switch here about the duty of care to spinners. I think we're actually past that point now where they're actually very confident. Um, you know, Bashir's only played one test, but I think Tom Hartley is taking a lot in his stride. And likewise, Rehan Ahmed, who had a quite chastening uh, third innings in Rajkot, but, you know, his enthusiasm remains undimmed. And as Stoke said, he thinks he'll be he'll be better for that because he's a young guy being put in a pressure situation. I think the, the important part of all this, though, is that India are just playing them a bit better and they're playing them a bit better by respecting them a little bit more without losing that sense of, look, these are for the taking here. Um, you know, Tom, Tom Hartley has, I think he's, bold, he's, he's taken, a, you know, um, he's in the teens for wickets. I think he's bowled as many full tosses as well. And I think Jaiswal's hit all of them for six. It certainly feels that way anyway. Um, and I think that's what's changed as well. It's changed with India's selection. It's changed a lot with Safran Khan coming in and, you know, playing expansively from the off and almost telling the rest of the people who are there that, come on, like, you know, they're bowling the old magic ball, but they're also bowling quite a few boundary balls and we need to hit those balls to the boundary. The fact that India outgunned England on the sixes front dramatically you know, almost six times as many sixes in this previous test is, is something that they're just going to push on with, I think. Um, I don't know about KL Rahul coming back, but, you know, Pastor has been a bit too tentative and Rahul coming back is an immediate upgrade. And I just think by and large, aside from Ravi Jadeja's century, the, you know, the runs that have been scored by India over the last two tests have been through almost a bit of, chest puffing out and flexing, remembering who they are in home conditions and also just reminding themselves that this is an inexperienced England attack. And while they'll be, while they are going to be backed by Stokes and they're going to be backed in the field and they're going to keep coming in, they're also going to keep, keep leaking boundaries. Um, in terms of what they might change uh, for this, for this fourth test, I mean, the, 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 the spin uh, attack, um, Obviously, Jack Leach has gone home, so there aren't um, lots of options in the cupboard there. Um, James Anderson, Mark Wood, uh, back-to-back tests, I guess, is potential. 
um, for rotation in the seam department? And and is some of the thinking potentially uh, going to be influenced here by the possibility uh, hinted at in, in in at the end in Radcott that Stokes, the hero all rounder, uh, might be going to make another appearance. It's pathetic, isn't it? Every time you think you want to, you want to distance yourself from the Ben Stokes hero narrative, he pulls <laughs> you back in. I mean, is that not is that not the the ultimate? Is that not the the thing that sends this series into a box set? Like Ben Stokes, you know, bravely, you know, putting his knee through what seven nine times his body weight to bowl England to glory in a freezing down Charlotte, like. It's absurd and it's encouraging, really, isn't it? Because obviously it shows that he's in a good place. And I think we've seen in the field, actually, he's, you know, two runouts, a brilliant catch um, over the last three tests. Like, he's definitely as fit as he has been over the last two, three years. Um, and the bowling, you know, he, he looked he looked very sharp throughout, um, when he's bowling during his test. He's back at 100%, as he says. He is about to break a pinky promise with his physio, but, you know, I don't know his physio. You don't know his physio. England fans don't need to care about his physio because he's done his job. So thanks a lot, mate. But Ben Stokes of is back. But, you know, what it does do potentially is gives England the opportunity to have the best of both worlds because they were one seamer in the first test, one seamer in the second test. They've gone for two seamers in this test and lost that third spin of the show Bashir being dropped. They could potentially in this test have the two seam options if Ben Stokes clears himself the bowl. Um, feels maybe it might be a bit too early, but we'll see. And then that will allow them to bring in a third spinner. Um, and so on the two-seam front, whether that means sticking with Jimmy Anderson or sticking with, sticking with Mark Woods, that's a decision to be made. It feels unlikely that it'll be Mark Wood. He looked utterly knackered in that third innings. Um, you know, there's only 71 overs addressed between that long stint in the first innings and then England's batting when they capitulated, which is its own other issue when the batters aren't doing what they're supposed to do. He feels that the most likely is to drop out. Um, They'd also be tempted to go Anderson and Robinson as well um, because Robinson, you know, for all the talk of his fitness, he is fitter, but also he's just an exceptionally skillful bowler and there is every chance he could um, extract something from, I suppose, from whatever pitch is rolled out in Ranchi. Um, but, you know, there, there are so many different permutations and even more now that Stokes has thrown himself on the table as well. Um, so, yeah, it'll be exciting times. I think they first get a look at the pitch on, what are we, Monday today? So they travel on Tuesday. They'll get their first look at the pitch on Wednesday when they train. They'll only announce their team after they've seen it for the last time, which is after India have seen it for the last time. Um, so, you know, we'll know probably on Thursday, well, you'll know Thursday morning, your time in the UK, if, um, you know, what the team is. Um, but yeah, you'd expect one of Mark Wood or Anderson to drop out for Robinson, if not both. Okay, Vish, thanks very much. Um, Ben Stokes physio, if you're listening, we're very sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Sorry. Got ahead of myself. (laughs) It's, it's what Hollywood demands. Um, Vish will let you get back to packing your bags for Ranchi and planning your first uh, proper birthday cocktail. <laughs> Cheers. So that's the view of our correspondent. England are going to stick their fingers in their ears and go harder still. Miller, uh, you didn't so much as get on at the ground floor with Basball. You envisioned the skyscraper before it had been built. 
Uh, should this be another case of keep calm and carry on tonking? Uh, yes, in, in broad terms, yes. I mean, <laughs> let's just, you know, in terms of where baseball is as a, as a philosophy, as a, as a tactic, the fundamental point of baseball was always that England were going to go into series thinking we've got a better chance of winning by doing this than we do by not doing it. And broadly speaking, they, they hedged their bets in thinking, you know what, we're more likely to win 3-2 playing baseball. We're not going to win 5-0 playing baseball because we're willing to risk losing. And so 2-1 down with two to go, of course they can win 3-2. That's exactly the point of the mentality that they have taken. And, you know, the way that Stokes spoke at the end of that test match, it doesn't, didn't sound like he was going to deviate a jot from that philosophy. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. In theory, England come out brawling. I suppose the, the fly in the ointment is what is technical jazz ball now, isn't it? The, the way in which India have come at England. Uh, the defeat was of a magnitude that England have not suffered yet. Uh, for the first time ever, They, or the, apart from the, the two-wicket loss in the Ashes, the first time ever they had a chance to bowl a team out. They failed miserably and took four wickets, which is quite a significant deviation from usually taking ten wickets. And the fearlessness with which... India's batting went, not, 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 not just Jaiswal, but Safraz Khan as well, coming in on debut, smacking it everywhere. I think it was 26 sixes to five. I mean, that's quite an emphatic outgunning when it comes to the way that England go about their cricket. So on the one hand, there's no way they're going to back down. On the other hand, it does look as though India came, in, came into this game, or certainly the back end of this game, and thought, you know what, we're really going to you know, spread our wings a bit here and, and play with a with a freedom that was manifestly absent in the first two tests. So that's the caveat, but I don't think it means that England changed their approach one jot. Um, I mean, Matt, there, there have been very few lost causes in, in the baseball era. Uh, I mean, the defeat to South Africa at Lords was, was a pretty heavy one. Um, but otherwise, England have tended to, to run the opposition pretty close, even, even when they've... Um, been uh, when they've lost the game. Uh, England's last tour of India, uh, some of the margins of defeat, uh, 317 runs, 10 wickets and an innings. Uh, in 2016, they lost by 246 runs, eight wickets, an innings and an innings. Um, I mean, once, once they'd been set that target, uh, 557, <laughs> kind of the, the scale of the defeat is kind of beside the point, isn't it? Yeah, and, and actually I suppose the almost... Um impossibility of that run chase probably led to in some ways the, the um, sort of confusion around the batting performance and the lack of clarity in the approach that as, as you know we, we know what England play like normally and um, they obviously started at a much much lower scoring rate partly because India bowled well as they're obviously allowed to do and we do have to um, you know talk about how well they've played but um, I, I it felt like there was that lack of um, clear focus that, that um, this approach has so often had but I suppose in terms of um, to touch on what Miller said and what Vishen said already regarding sort of execution and method I suppose the ultimate vindication from my point of view on baseball is that if you think about England going 2-1 down in 2021 um, in that first test and Amnabad of the of the two back-to-back going into that final test of the series no one gave them a, a chance at all and rightly so they got well beaten um and they were a, they were a beaten team obviously there were some mitigating circumstances with the pandemic um but that that series was was over at 2-1 down whereas this time it feels like um even if there will be people saying england should reflect on defeats in a way that mccullum has made pretty clear that won't happen in a collective mm. sense 
um, there is somehow still a, a, a chance or a feeling that um, they, they, if any team can come back from 2-1 down, it's probably going to be this one. And that's despite the fact that they have, you know, the, the number four, six and seven are all averaging less than 20. There's no bowler who's averaged less than 30 in the series. Um, their frontline spinner is missing. All of those factors. Um, so the fact that there's still some kind of a chance um, or some, some sense that they could pull something off I, I think shows um, how successful this this approach has been, and um, the the faith that the team and the, um, the management rightly have in it. It's how far we've come. Um, the the uh, the crux of, of this test, I guess, the the, the hinge. Well, there are a few actually um, hinge moments, sliding doors moments. Um, but where it went, um, you know, very much Pete Tong from from English optimism um, to staring heavy defeat in the face was that uh, third morning. England, 207 for two from 35 overs, uh, you know, sort of um, euphoric almost on, on, on the back of Ben Duckett's 100. Um, and the old-fashioned approach, I suppose, it, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have been at that point from <laughs> that run rate, uh, but the, the old-fashioned approach being sort of halfway to uh, India's first innings target with three days in the game would be to score three and over through the day. Uh, you'd be ahead. Hopefully you still have wickets in hand. You're maybe going to bat once and, uh, and then take advantage on, on the wearing pitch on day four and five. Ben Stokes said afterwards that you know, he didn't want that anyway, like, and then clearly not the way they play, blasting their way to sort of 250 in, in 50 overs, getting up to parity, and then and then sort of trying to um, pose India that tricky third innings question was was clearly what they were hoping to do. But either of those strategies uh, um, have to take into account how well the opposition plays and 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 the difficulty in, uh, factor involved, which is which is you know playing in India is the hardest place, uh, pretty much to go for you know England England or Australia um, teams from outside the subcontinent. Like whatever the tactics. There was no straightforward route to winning once India had won the toss and posted 450, Miller. I do think that's crucial, actually. I mean, you know, if England do win the toss in the next test, I think they're brawling. They will come out batting first. They will, they will do what they did in the first test. Also, you know, Jasprit Bumrah sounds very much as though he won't be playing, which is a, a huge boon to England's hopes of really laying a, putting a score on the board. Uh, so yeah, they were they were playing catch up to a degree from from that point. But you know, you talk about that, that third morning and and the way the optimism that England had going into it. Um, you know, it's easy to sort of point. I suppose the frustration why there's been quite a backlash against this performance is that England genuinely were in this game. They were in a, in the contest in a way that I don't think many people have given them much hope. Of, you know, certainly people who's, who are basketball sceptics didn't believe that they could bounce back from their defeat and the way in which Duckett was batting on that, on that second day and the likelihood that you know, Joe Root could conceivably do what Root does in these situations and then he didn't. He plays that reverse scoop which obviously has been hailed as the worst shot in, in, in Test history. Look, I'm, I'm in two minds about that in particular. I think um, he's explained his own rationale uh, Stokes explained it too, saying, you know, the, the, acknowledging that the bummer has put him under pressure. He wants to change the field much as, uh, much as you know, you would in a, in a white ball game if he wants. He played a played a, a Joss Butler esque scoop. Suddenly, people have got to fill that gap, and it open up, opens up the covers. I can see the logic if it had come off, but I can also see the frustration that England 
perhaps were just a little bit tactically naive at that particular moment. You know, they've done, they've gone out of their way to avoid using the word basketball. They, you know, quite quite clearly hate the word, and you know, you're welcome to. But <laughs> what they've failed to do in so in failing to define basketball is that they they're playing catch up in terms of what it means. So everyone is defining it for them. And they have tried to come out and say what basketball is in recent times. They said, basketball, I think the, the specific quote about it is, it's about soaking up pressure when you have to, but putting pressure back on the opposition when you can. I think that's, that's broadly speaking, their literal definition of their ethos, call it basketball or not. And I just wonder if, you know, on reflection, if you look at that second morning, the third morning, sorry, with Duckett clearly on a roll and playing like, a, like, like the best player in the world, which is what sometimes happens with basketball. You get unlikely candidates for it. And Joe Root has a stage in which Joe Root can just do what Joe Root does, bat all day, get a big hundred, let everyone bat around him. That felt like the template that was the obvious way to go. And then Root plays that shot and it falls apart. And it, it, it you know, I feel as though that in terms of putting the pressure back on, I felt there was no pressure to be put back on by playing recklessly or playing expansively at that point, that moment of the game. It was actually about the pressure I felt was on India to make something happen. And the likeliest person to make something happen was Jasprit Bumrah. And therefore, see him off, play cautiously, don't do anything stupid. And he will end his spell. And then, you know, Duckett will be into his game. Root will be into his game. You build. That, that feels like the logical way that any other team would have gone about it, which is, I guess is why there's, there's been a backlash against England being, being tactically obtuse and not thinking... The straight and narrow, and I, I, I don't entirely see the logic of Stokes's post-match comments that he wanted to get to the end of the innings as quickly as possible. I mean, why would you? And the pitch is going to deteriorate. If you've got 600 on the board, India are going to be batting on it. I mean, that doesn't seem like doesn't seem like the sensible way to go about it. If you think about the only other time they have really gone into their shells, technically, was that Stokes-Folks partnership uh, at, um, against South Africa at Old Trafford, when again they 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 lost a test quite heavily at, um, at Lords against South Africa and they actually batted within themselves to get them to a position where they, I think, won by innings, didn't they? So that felt like the obvious way to skin that particular cat at that particular moment of the game, which I sense is why there's such frustration at the manner in which it went wrong. Uh, because that dismissal uh, triggered a collapse of 8 for 95 in 31 overs as well, so it wasn't even a kind of... Uh, all guns blazing um, effort. Uh, the, the other key point being that there was no Ashwin at that stage of the game. Uh, he, he had withdrawn from the test, um, although he did later return. So uh, clearly adding weight to that argument of, 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 of playing what's in front of you and, 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 and trying to make sure you um, are still batting at the end of the day, perhaps. Uh, any other contenders for the stupidest shot in English <laughs> test cricket history, um, Matt? Um, Kevin Peterson might have had a few. Yeah, we were talking um, <laughs> off air about the, the dumb slog millionaire, the um, <laughs> one straight into the was it the Fremantle doctor at the Wacker off. Um, I think um, so. Uh, Nathan Lyon. Um, yeah, I, I suppose there's a uh, you know there's quite a few. There's, there's been quite a few ignominious <laughs> dismissals over the years, haven't there? I think that's that's part of. Um, England's proud Test cricket history, but I suppose to, to be honest, I feel like the reaction to this defeat has a lot of it's been been straight out of the Owen Morgan playbook, really. Um, and we, mm-hmm. we obviously know he's got a close relationship with Brendan McCullum, and they've sort of informed each other's philosophies and styles over the years. But 
Um, you know, thinking back to some of the, the heavy defeats that England suffered in, you know, admittedly bilateral ODIs that often don't carry the, quite the same sort of weight and attention um, as a, a four, four or five day game in India. Mm. Um, you know, he would always try and defend the team's plan, um, stick to the principles unashamedly and, um, you know, give his batters as much of a get out as possible and say that, that, that you know, this is the way we play, this is how it's done, we're not going to dwell on this too much and obviously behind closed doors there are other conversations going on and occasionally there would be debates within the team about um, you know, whether it was the right thing to have done um, people would have conversations afterwards but publicly the message management was always pretty clear mm. um, and it feels like it's been a, a similar thing with Stokes and McCullum trying to a- avoid any sense of doubt creeping in which has kind of been the whole mind trick that, that Basball has been it's about um, yeah, trying to get people in, in a frame of mind that only focuses on the upside and never focuses on criticism and drawbacks and downsides. And um, it's worked so far, you know, it, who knows how they'll respond if they get hammered in the next two tests and lose 4-1, it could all fall to pieces. But um, it, it, I feel like it's, there's, there's definitely been some similarities. And I think much as I'm sure Root will have sort of thought about it himself at length and might even have had some discussions with other people, it's, um, I, I, I don't think we're in the, in the days of sort of Chris Silverwood getting his projector out and showing the batters their dismissals after that <laughs> second test in Australia uh, a couple of years ago. Um, uh, Root's form is, is a topic we'll, we'll probably come to in a little bit more detail. Obviously, he's not having uh, his best series in India against India anywhere. Um, perhaps more significant in terms of individual moments in this game uh, was his drop at slip, Miller, off Rohit Sharma. The test ended pretty badly for England and there were patches where they were uh, on top and but none more so than that first morning having lost the toss having reduced India to 33 for three um, Rohit Sharma goes on to score 100 but he's dropped uh, I think he was on 27 the score would have been 47 for four if Root had clung on to what was a tough but sort of regulation chance at slip um, England also missed a couple of DRS reviews, I think, on that first day, which would have seen Rohit and uh, Ravindra Deja uh, out before scoring hundreds. Um, and so sort of those mistakes piling up um, contributed pretty heavily to the, to the way the game went. It was a massive sliding doors moment, not least because of what I said earlier about the, the tentative way in which India have been batting in this series up to that point. If their captain... Falls at 47 for four. Jadeja's already out there, promoted. I mean, he does bat number five regularly now, but clearly sent out as as a senior pro with a lot of rookies, including debutants galore, um, further down the order. Suddenly, the pressure is such that you're not going to be able to burst out that burst out your shell in the way that they did so comprehensively in the second innings, particularly with with Jaiswal going nuts. Um, so that was a huge moment, obviously a 200 run partnership thereafter, and then again a bit of a collapse at the end. So it just goes to show what could have been possible. England could have got a got a real chance against the head there, and would have been in a position to dictate terms. They'd have come out much as they did, batting like like maniac, but brilliant sweeping that Duckett produced. Suddenly you're looking like a the, the sort of lead that we were envisaging at that second um, second day close would have been preordained, frankly. I mean, if, if India had got 250 instead of, whatever, 400 plus, it's, um, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that England would have got a significant lead. And then the game changed. But, you know, we, we can talk about ifs and buts all over the place. But I suppose the point is, 
you don't often look back on England in India or England in Australia and think there are many ifs and buts. I mean, in recent times in Australia, I can think of James Vince being run out in the first day at Brisbane, say, <laughs> as the one sliding doors moment mm. of that particular series four or five years ago now. Uh, but I can't think of any others. I mean, you know, Rory Burns getting bowled around <laughs> his legs first ball of the ashes. That was over already, wasn't it? You know, we were already <laughs> thinking, God, when, when, when can we just call it, call it quits? We're not thinking that at this moment. And that, I suppose, is a, a credit to the fact that England do look like they are constantly in the battle. Until, of course, in this case, they weren't. And I guess we can come to the rationale of that. But, you know, for two days, this was an incredibly tight test. And I, I actually felt as though the, the reaction in the Indian media... Um, including on our own site, I mean, Kartik was writing about uh, the challenge that England put up. I felt that they acknowledged it perhaps a bit more than the English media did that that England actually did give them a bit of a run for the money until until they were they were muscled off the ball. Um, a word for the sort of the star performer on, in, in that um, respect, Matt and Ben Duckett, um, chastening time in India seven eight years ago now um, had started the tour. Pretty well, uh, but no significant score. The, the opening partnership has been clearly a, a success story. Um, but, I mean, he, he sort of put any, any doubts or questions to bed with uh, 88 ball 100, uh, the third fastest by a, a, a visiting batter in India, against India in India, behind Adam Gilchrist and... and um, uh, I've now had a mind blank. I've no idea who the other one is. Um, Clive Lloyd, that's his name. Nice. I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, Ducker was brilliant, wasn't he? I suppose those, those stats speak for themselves, and um, clearly he's a very different person as well as player since he mm. um, it was thrown in at the deep end, I suppose, in his early 20s, in, in 20, late 2016, I suppose it was, um, which, which, yeah, seven and a half years ago now. So um, maybe in some ways it's no surprise that he's, he's changed as much as he has but um, yeah he, he was he, he was brilliant really and I, I suppose um, has epitomised what's been good about this England team since he's come into the setup. He, he knew he was going to have licence to play shots he, he actually got worked over a little bit right early on in that innings where he had a few plays and misses in a row against Mohamed Siraj but you know backed himself to just keep doing it because he, he knew it would come off eventually and um, yeah, it, absolutely stellar hundred. Obviously, um, what, what followed was um, a bit of a disaster. But from from Duckett's own personal point of view, I mean, he, he's actually it's quite funny. He's sort of become the spokesman really for the for the team as much as anything. <laughs> Whenever he comes out and does media, he comes out with some um, pretty outlandish quotes. I think I saw some, some speculation that may, maybe there's some kind of internal sweepstake going on. Who can say the most ridiculous thing to the press? That will. Um, he, he said they can set us what they want. You know, yeah. any target we'll and, chase and, it. and sort of as well which I think actually really put a few people's noses out of joint was he sort of took credit for how Jaiswal had played mm. by saying mm. that maybe this is a result of how England play test cricket um, which is clearly going to wind people up and I completely understand why but um, I think it's I, I think again it all plays into this whole this whole idea of um, the, the, the team buying into their own ball <laughs> um, getting and, high and on their own supplies yeah, and, and, <laughs> and maybe that will End in complete disaster, but at the moment, two one down in India. India wins so many tests at home. It's not a vintage Indian team compared to some of the ones that have come before. But um, I feel like heading into the final two tests of the series, they have as good a chance of um, getting a result as pretty much any team has in the last decade. So um, yeah, 
yeah, um, the IPL might take some credit for the way <laughs> he has to be Giles Wealth plays. Um, and England probably do need to come up with a plan for him. I think he's averaging 100 at the moment in the series, which is um, pretty handy. Just on their own issues, um, Miller for you know, two tests to go, um, Joe Root averaging 12.83. I think the general consensus, uh, Brenda McCullum said uh, in, in the sort of wash-up of this test that uh, I'm not going to say anything to Joe Root. Most people would back Joe Root to, to score some runs at, at some point. I think McCullum, after the second test, said he's going to score a ton. There's still time to score a ton. And, and he said there's still two more tests to go. The law of averages says he's going to score some more runs. I mean, that's not quite how they work, but, uh, but we will see. <laughs> Johnny Bairstow, averaging 17, He's got four and naught in Rajkot. Um, his record is altogether more checkered, sort of in that part of the world. And generally speaking, he's a sort of baseball totem. Um, he's also on 97, 98 tests yeah. now. Um, I mean, the, the McCullum suggested that they're likely to stick with him. Is that the right call? Would you uh, do you think at this stage? I think it's got to be because that's the way that England have set their sides up. I mean, you look back to Zach Crawley's struggles two years ago. Mm-hmm. You get the return on the investment if you just back your team to the hilt. So I don't think there's any doubt he plays both tests, frankly, uh, and gets to his hundredth in Dharmashala, which would be, be a nice, nice venue for, for, for that sort of landmark. Um, but in terms of his his struggles, I mean, you know, they, 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 there's no getting away from the fact that he suffered a absolutely extraordinarily horrible leg injury two years ago it would have ended most careers the fact he's back playing test cricket and the world cup as well at such speed is extraordinary it's a testament to the 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 absolutely unbelievably tough mindset that he particularly personifies and you know we talk about basketball being a mindset nobody has personified it better or certainly in the first flowering of it than johnny bairstow so as you say he's an absolute totem I don't think there's any escaping the fact that he's not the player that he was before the injury. I think, you know, we saw that 99 uh, in the Ashes that was just bull fury and it was just absolutely lashing back at the criticism he got for, particularly for his catching, which again had been uh, a manifestation of the fact that he couldn't move anymore because his leg was sore. You know, <laughs> there's no escaping the fact that the Bairstow is recovering from, from what should have been a career-ending injury. And he's at the back end of his own career as well. So God alone knows what that means. You know you never write Bairstow off because he is the bullish character that he is. But also, that LBW the other day, it was not only was it absolutely plumb, but the, he missed it by about two sets of stumps, frankly. It was such a, such a massive misjudgment. And um, you do worry about that, particularly given the, you know, eight, eight ducks now in India. I mean, you can read into that what you like. Some of those were... Uh, obviously, in the last tour, it was post-pandemic. He'd gone home for a break after actually performing fairly well in the start of the tour and, and then came back and couldn't lay a bat on it. So, you know, you, you, can, you can take that with a pinch of salt. Pinch of, pinch of salt. But, yeah, you don't drop him. Uh, I don't think that's an option. Um, as for Root, I mean, I mean, where do we begin? There's, there, 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 there's a huge amount of um, issues to, to, to touch on there, and, but I'm, I'm conscious I've blethered on about Bairstow, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's take one at a time. Well, j- just quickly on Bairstow, I suppose, I, I think as it stands after Atkinson pulled out of the IPL, I think Bairstow is the only English player who is due to do all three of World Cup, India Tour and IPL this winter, which is a massive workload. Mm. He's got a young child as well. Mm. Um, 
it, it, it's, I don't know, I've no idea whether that is anything that's weighing on him, but I hope from England's point of view and from his point of view that come the T20 World Cup in June, where he should, by all rights, be a, a key part of that team, um, that he's in you know, a frame of mind and a, a, a state where he can contribute massively towards that because he was obviously you know, devastated to have missed the last one where he was due to open the batting and then immediately after that phone call came, found, you know, had that horror injury. Mm. Um, so yeah, I hope sort of looking down the line that, that Besto not only can he achieve the 100th test, which I think will mean a lot to him, um, but also is in a frame of mind in, in June to compete. England not managing to look after Bairstow, right? I, I can't imagine. <laughs> Heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be an issue. I mean, um, the the batting. Uh, those are the those are the two sort of big issues, I guess. The two the, the two Yorkies in the middle order there, uh, misfiring as things stand. The bigger question is is uh, and and was right at the start of the tour whether England had the the attack to take 20 wickets. I mean, they've clearly got the captain to engineer them as, as near as damn it, uh, those, those opportunities. Um, the way the series has played out with pitches being a, a lot sort of truer than expected, it has, they haven't descended into spin-on-spin uh, -spin bun fights. Um, Tom Hartley is uh, England's leading wicket-taker with 16 at 33.18 um, and has performed very creditably. Um, particularly in the absence of, of Jack Leach through injury. It's beginning to look a bit grimmer reading. Um, Rahan, 11 at 44. Uh, Anson's averaging 35. Uh, had, a, had a tough outing at Rajkot. Root is a key member of this attack. He's averaging in the 50s, as is Mark Wood. I mean, the obvious thing to do when you've been thrashed by 400 runs is to change the bowling. <laughs> uh, um, and Vish sort of touched upon whether uh, the likelihood of, of, of Ollie Robinson coming in. Um, I mean, do, do you think there's a, a case to play Anderson through through these next two tests in the in the pursuit of of, of victory? You know, if you're playing your best team, uh, you've got to win the next two. Uh, or is is Atkinson kind of a test debut in in waiting here? Do you think? That well, I, I think there is a logic to playing Anderson insofar as he is he is England's greatest, and he's nearing the end of the line. And it's basically been my, my attitude towards both him and Stuart Broad and <laughs> yeah. since Basball began. It's like, you know what, you use them till you lose them, frankly. If they, if they suddenly keel over because they've overdone it, well, it's not as if you've broken them through, through mishandling. It's because you, you've, you've got absolutely everything you possibly can out of them. So there is a temptation to play him. But also, if you were to play him, I think you'd want to play him with, as part of a three-seam attack in a back-to-back -back test. I think going in, going in as, as one of two-seamers, two the other one being Mark Wood, obviously, who bowls very short spells, it's difficult to... Uh, Difficult to balance that out, so I don't know. It feels like England have been shedding a, a spinner every test, but <laughs> but equally, um, you know, it does feel as though the spinners are a little bit found out's the wrong word, but um, certainly they're exposed. They're exposed to some, is pretty tough. Exposed is pretty, pretty tough conditions, but obviously Root being one yeah. of them. Now we we should touch on Root as well because you know there has been chat that that his spin workload is a factor in the batting downturn, which. I don't buy actually. I don't. I don't. I don't actually buy that. I. I. I think it all stems actually from the, that's the same sort of sense of getting high in your own supply. The sense of collective buy-in that has got the best out of, uh, Duckett, best out of Crawley, best out of all the the lesser lights in the team. It's. I wrote about it a little bit with um with Ben Stokes in his hundredth test, making the point that Stokes had taken a very deliberate decision to step back from being heroic Ben Stokes, the saviour of every situation. And he's just one of the pack now. It's like, you know what, I'll, I'll save the day when I have to, but you guys go out and have first dibs at being the hero. 
I feel like Joe, Joe Root has has got that message absolutely mm-hmm. to the hilt. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Loris Booth and, and Nick Holt wrote the book on Basel recently, and uh, there's a there's a quote in there from Root himself describing the first reverse sweep, re- reverse ramp that he played in New Zealand. I think it was, and uh, he basically the rationale he said was, "I was showing the rest of the team that I buy into this. I I buy into this. I'm not going to be Joe Root, the best batsman in this team. Worship me. I am Joe Root, one of the Basballers. I'm totally in it, lads. And you know you can take that." You can take that one of two ways. You can you can say you're not getting the best out of your your resources, or you can look back to 2021 and remember that what happened when England got the best out of their major resource, Joe Root. Everyone else couldn't cling to his coattails. It wasn't even a case of being in the same paradigm as him. And so you know you you can't have it both ways. And that I suppose is the, is the fundamental problem with the baseball ethos. Is like England can't England have basically accepted they can't have it both ways. It's their way or the highway. And uh, you know, I think our old chum David Hopps actually made made a point, um, quite quite an astute one, I thought, on Twitter. There is the frustration, as we mentioned last week, that Root's numbers have actually improved under Basball. I mean, what, he's averaging fifty odd and strike rate seventy five, as opposed to forty nine and and fifty. But the point, I suppose, is that that average pre Basball was was cramped by the fact he was captain, and so it probably should have been higher. And now that average is cramped by Basball. It should be higher. He should be a 55 average batsman. He should be in the Rahul Dravid or, or Sangakara bracket of, of great batsmen, or, or, or Steve Smith, frankly. Uh, but he's not. He's, 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 he's nudging around the, the, mid, the, the, the high 40s, which is very, very good. But it's not as great as he could be. So that every time you see... No one's averaged above 50 for England since... Barrington? Yeah, exactly. No one does it. Uh, but Root looks like the type of guy who should, and therefore there's just that underlying frustration that you can you can be you can be as brilliant as you like, but when it comes to Joe Root, you've got to be better than brilliant because you are the England's greatest. And that, I suppose, is the, is the biggest problem that, that they've got with with marrying that up to to the expectations of Basball. Well, McCullum uh, has uh, caught on to the fact he's averaging more and uh, the high strike rate because he mentioned it uh, uh, the other day, um, I think. Um, I mean, Matt, just uh, on India, um, we've talked about how this was perhaps one of the weaker 11s or they're yeah. fielding a, a, a weaker side than we've been expected. Um, but with Jaswell's performances, um, with a, a pretty impressive debut from Safraz Khan, they appear to be sort of ominously creaking into form. Bummer missing a test would, would certainly help England, but um, you know the challenge doesn't doesn't get any easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we spoke about the fact that it was quite a sort of, I suppose, callow um, in, Indian team, but I suppose this is to some extent vindicated. Um, once Crick Info Zone actually Ajit Agaka um, with his selections <laughs> yes. because um, you know there was definitely a school of thought that was when especially when Kohli became apparent that he wasn't going to be in the series get get Pajara back in one of the old guard and get some experience into that middle order um, Agaka has gone pretty much the opposite way and gone for uncapped players one of them mm. Rajat Patadar's not scored a run and hardly scored hardly looked like scoring a run um, but Jaiswell is obviously young in his test career and, and Safraz on debut. Both of those have um, been selections that have been, I think, fairly well vindicated by performances so far. Both um, have that, I suppose, combination of um, flair and natural attacking tempo with 
um, the sort of clear thirst for runs um, that, that seems seems often to be unique to Indian batters. Um, Basball uh, has plenty to, to well, be, yeah, uh, it's credited a, for. It's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, of course. Says <laughs> so, Ben Duckett. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Safraz as a, as a boy had no idea what he was doing and then suddenly he watched uh, England on TV <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, but no, I, it, clearly they're, they're in a, you know, I'm sure they'll feel like they're in a pretty good position at 2-1 up and having um, rolled England as, as comprehensively as they did in terms of final margin but um, yeah it will be very very interesting to see what happens uh, in Ranchi if they if as expected they they rest Bumrah because um, you know Mukesh Kumar didn't look up to much in the um, at the start of the series Siraj has had a sort of up and down time of it as well himself so um, England will probably feel pretty confident that they can get on top of the seamers at least and then I suppose it will all come down to um, whether or not they can they can meet the spin challenge that they um, probably failed in on days three and four in in Rajkot. Yeah, but just just to just to drill down into, into that that notion that, that England taught India how to play, which is which is <laughs> preposterous. It is it is it is part of the basketball that, that I've I've found thoroughly tedious since since the Ashes. Frankly, all of the proselytising about about Test cricket. I think um, you know to go back to the original point of basketball. I, I believe it was a reaction to a specifically English problem. You remember Ashley Giles blethering on the outfield in Sydney after, during the Ashes, complaining, well, you can sack me, I've done a rubbish job, but you, you won't change anything if you get rid of me. It's like, get over yourself. But the point is, England have found a reaction to the fact that, fundamentally, Giles had a point. It's like, you're not going to change anything structural about English cricket just by sacking people. The only way they've gone, in, gone about it is doubling down on their own mindset and thinking, you know what, let's just be the best we possibly can. You look at where India are at with these kids coming through. I mean, Mike Hatton was writing, writing about Safraz Khan. I mean, both these, both him and Jaiswal are uh, Mumbai Madan lads who've, who've grown up playing cricket all day long. I think Safraz got 439 in one, one under-12s match. You know, these guys are, are pretty well-versed in the art of, of batting with technique for a long period. Basically, they're pretty well-versed in the art of test cricket. That's the one thing, actually, that England are no longer very well-versed in, weirdly. That's why basketball is important to them. It's like they're very well versed in white ball cricket. They're very well versed in speeding the game along, hurrying people into mistakes, hustling, but you know, asking to bat long, asking about five sessions to save a test match. Just nah, it's no point. Why, why would we try? So again, you look at the size of the defeat that England suffered. But I would argue, you know, a little bit like in tennis. If you, you know, if you're five set, five sets in tennis, and you you, you suddenly screw up in the third set, it's like, fine, bagel me six six love. I'll come back in the fourth set and try and do it, do, it, do it better. You know, England went into their shells. They played completely out of their basketball character. They got completely stuffed. And weirdly, that very fact they got stuffed by trying to be defensive will have been taken in that dressing room as proof that the way they've been doing it is the right way. I, you know, and again, go back to my very first point we made about where India are at. The fact that India are batting with confidence, with youthful aggression, and with players who have actually got a pedigree of... of Technique and 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 you know, red ball mindset. Oddly, for all that they're IPL IPL starlets, the, the, the BCCI were talking about the importance of the red ball setup the other day, which may have been may have been um, just just guff for the for the sake of saying it. But nonetheless, it is a fact that you know, England can't really teach India an awful lot about the art of of, of cricket in the long term. They can certainly remind them that there's another way to do it in the short term, which is probably what's happening in this series. Right then. England's basballers will be back in the saddle on Friday, which also happens to be match day one for the second edition of the Women's Premier League. 
Time for another plug for our new Women's Cricket podcast, uh, bringing you exclusive interviews from across the global game. The first episode will be appearing on the Switch It feed on Wednesday. Then you can search for ESPN Crick Info Powerplay and subscribe via your preferred pod platform. Final thoughts then uh, from here. Gents, Miller, I won't ask you to go into um, your DRS, DRS um, How long arguments. We got? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've already um, had a, a lovely long chat and there's an article on the site. But um, uh, you can quickly summarise if you like. Uh, oh, the other, my other one, maybe for Matt, is Can England do what they threatened to do during the Ashes. In summary, in summary umpire's call is a very important thing and Ben Stokes is deluded if he wants to get rid of it. <laughs> he, 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 it basically protects, it, protects him from himself. Uh, but anyway, yes, can they Yes, well, back? he's the, the battle that's benefited most from it, <laughs> well, I think indeed. some of the st- stats show. Um, but read that on, on the site. Um, yes, can England... Can England win 3-2 from here, Matt? I mean, or will they? I think they can. I think they probably won't. Um, And I think we can say for certain that the fourth test is unlikely to be as affected by rain as uh, Old Trafford in in July. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I think we're probably safe on that one. Um, Right, well, that's that's enough from us for one week. England are on their way to Ranchi, hometown of Emma Stoney, and an appropriate location for the next leg of Basball's attempts to save Test cricket. Uh, We'll be back next week to see if they can knock the IPL off top spot. Until then, my thanks to Miller and Matt, and to you all for listening to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.